Oh, I screwed that up real bad. Welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts Rick and Patrick for this week's discussion. Welcome back to episode number 31 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Rick. And I am your other host, Patrick. And we are happy to be back in your ear canals. Yes, we are. It's a little waxy in here. Clean them out. Get the corona out of your ears. I was about to say, I hope there's no coronavirus. (laughs) It is spreading like like we wish our podcast would, honestly. Yes, yes. So, uh, the best... I, I love memes, and the best meme that I have seen so far was like a it was like a conversation between the government and the CDC, and it was like, you know, we need a new crisis, and it was like CDC was like swine flu, and it was like government already used that, and CDC was like bird flu, government was like use that one twice, and it shows a CDC and it has a little asterisk, and it's like, uh, it says looks at beer, and it says hear me out. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that one. <laughs> I was like, that is the greatest meme and so profitable for our podcast. One of my favorite one that I've seen is, um, you know, it says like all dads in bars right now. I'll have a coronavirus hold the virus. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I would never use that because I would. I don't think I would ever want to try Corona. But no, uh, no. I, I had Corona. I had two sips of a Corona one time, and I've never had Corona after that. I poured the rest of it out because it was so gross. I wonder if it's like um, I guess Land Shark is the is this Mexican beer that I've had before. Land Shark is made by Jimmy uh, Buffett. Dos Equis is Mexican. Oh, well then I'm not sure. May, I well then I don't know. Land it's, Shark is decent. It's not a bad beer. But we're not reviewing that one tonight. No, we're not. We're not. We are. Uh, we are isolated in our Corona bunkers, away from the coronavirus, drinking our craft beer. Um, <laughs> if you, uh, by the time this releases, because we're like a few weeks ahead. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, coronavirus is blown over by now. <laughs> so either one of two things is happening when this comes out: either the whole country is on lockdown and we're all dying from coronavirus, or Everything is normal, and it was all just a big washout. One of the two things we'll is going to happen. We'll look back on these days fondly as a crazy dream that we all had. <laughs> It'll be like the uh, Mandela effect. Oh, that'd be... Ten years from now, people will be like, you remember the... What was it called? Coronavirus? <laughs> and people will be like, I have vague memories, but the government will go in and delete all evidence of it. <laughs> there was no such thing as the coronavirus. What are you talking about? So, yeah. here, here's something fun. Uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast, I asked uh, the question, what is the difference between an APA and an IPA? 
Okay. Because we were reviewing an American pale ale and, and we had done IPAs and I was like, I don't know the difference. Well, a listener sent me a message and told me the difference between an APA and an IPA. Was this so, Benny? No, it wasn't. Oh. It was not Benny. It I was Benny uh, Hinn would have, would have stepped in there. and <laughs> It was not Benny Hinn. But this listener told me, he said, APAs use a cleaner yeast and more citrus. APA has less hops and more malts, while IPAs have more hops and less malts. That makes sense. There you go. <laughs> Boom. Take your, you, knowledge, take your knowledge and use it to uh, brew beer for the greater good. Or to just give advice to the beers and Bible knuckleheads. That that would that's fine too. <laughs> so, so we appreciate you, listener. Thank yeah, you so much. Um, tonight we're going back to our regular format: uh, beer review and then theology. We tried Bible discussion. We tried that last week. They split it up just to change it up a little bit, and eh, it got mixed reviews from us. So. We got mixed reviews from the people who made it, so that's why we're changing it back. <laughs> um, but anyway, so tonight I think is a is a groundbreaking moment for us. I don't think we've done a pilsner have we i i'm i've looked back and i don't think we have i don't think any of them technically qualify for a pilsner they weren't called a pilsner so um i mean i don't again i don't know the difference between a lager and a pilsner i I know they're supposed to be close but yeah i don't know i i couldn't tell you so but so tonight um from the great city of memphis tennessee the wise great song Top five song of all time. It is a great um, song. So, funny story. I'm going to... So, my dad... Um, I guess I can say this. Uh, our family is from the Memphis area originally. And my dad was in the Navy. When he left to go on tour in the Mediterranean, that song was really popular. Mm-hmm. When he came back, gone. Gone. Sad day for him. And it was like the early 90s, so you couldn't just go... You know, downloaded or whatever. <laughs> That's back when you had to call the radio station and be like, can you play this song? Yeah. So anyway, so uh, Memphis, Tennessee's a Wise Acre Brewing Company. We are reviewing the Tiny Bomb American Pilsner. Dun, dun, dun. Can you insert that sound effect in here? I can After try. For the fact? That'd, be, <laughs> that'd be good. Um, so, Tiny Bomb. What you, what you know about it? I know... That the website told me it has an ABV of 4.5%. And it has, I don't, we've talked about gravity, and this thing has a gravity of 10.3. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that's like really heavy. I don't because remember. Other ones were in like the two to three range, I think. Oh, I, so. But it does say final gravity two. So maybe that everybody else was, was doing uh, final gravity, not original gravity. Got the IBUs at 39. Um, and this is, it, they use a German Pilsner malt mm-hmm. and they use German lager yeast. See, see, that's where, like, that's what makes me think lagers and Pilsners are very similar because they use the same type of malts and hops in them. Yeah. I, so, I don't, I honestly could not tell you. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't either. I'm hoping this tastes kind of like an Oktoberfest. That's what I'm hoping. I'm not sure what I'm hoping for. Um, it's available bronze medal in 2014. Yeah, it's it's a it's a some it's it won something somewhere. There you go. Um. So, yeah, it's uh it's available in six packs, and then you could also get kegs. kegs. I want a uh, keg, five gallon. Is that fifteen and a half? 
15 and a half gallon. That's a full keg. That's a that's a big keg. I've I've never a five gallon is called is a pony keg. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. yeah, you buy you keep pony kegs at home and you put full kegs in restaurants. Gotcha. I know that from working in a restaurant. <laughs> Maybe you do, but <laughs> anyway, um Looks okay, pretty so, fun. okay, okay, so listen, okay, so looking looking in the paragraph on the website, you uh-huh. know, it's, it's a tiny bomb American Pilsner is the name on it, but it also says there are delicate herbal aromas wafting forth from this crisp, smooth, pale lager. So I wonder if Pilsner and pale lager is like a interchangeable? Somewhere. Could be. Something? I don't know. Could be. Um, I'm ready to try it, though. Let, let's stop talking about it and do it. Let's do it. Shazam! That's how it ends, so let's crack it open. And see if we can get some Shazam out of this. Here we go. Do, do we have to say Shazam? Sure. One, two, three. Oh, God. Did yours bubble up? Yes, it did. Mine did, too. It was weird. And it, and it is leaking everywhere. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to go get a napkin. So looking at this thing, it, it's, uh, it's very pale. Um, I got... Mine has like the perfect amount of foam on top. It's you know yeah. Mine mine it was good when I poured it up. Yeah, it was it was a good it was a good pouring beer. Um, it's got a citrusy smell too. Like that's kind of what I'm getting. Maybe not. Maybe that's just my my nose might be broken or something. Um, you know, look at the can. I've got it in like a Yeti koozie thing. So stand by. Um, oh, it's just like. Got a, a old-fashioned bomb-looking thing on it. It's it's the can doesn't give you any information about the beer. No. Like it, it doesn't give you any clues as to what to expect, unless it's expecting it to like blow up in your mouth or something. <laughs> it mine definitely blew up. <laughs> maybe that's part of it. Maybe <laughs> maybe because mine mine spewed a little bit. Not obviously as bad as yours. I got all mine in the glass, but um. Yeah, I don't know if I shook mine or, or what, but you or got, if, I, if it was too cold or if I just got the one that was overcarbonated. You got one that <laughs> was dropped somewhere in transit, but it exploded every, it bombed on me real bad. <laughs> All right. So, are you, uh, are you, are we back? I'm, I'm back. I mean, I may have to edit that oh, section, but I might leave what, it. Huh? That's what that smell is. It's honey. Oh, okay. There's the, the paragraph on the website says honey, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. I do like the smell of it, and I can tell you from the the little bit that I that I swig, kind of swigged when it exploded. <laughs> probably oh, so, like this. So you like straight up like cracked it open and like <laughs> sucked it up. It started spewing everywhere, so I started drinking it. <laughs> That's a fair reaction. I actually don't blame you for that at all. So I was like, shoot. All right, are we so ready? To, are we ready to try this for real? Are you ready to try it? Yes. <laughs> so here we go: the Tiny Bomb from Wiseacre Brewing in Memphis, Tennessee. Bottoms up, bottoms up, or bottoms out if it explodes. That's pretty good. That is that is pretty good. It uh. So. If if you're if you're a seasoned veteran of the podcast, you know we always try to like apply real life examples to to where or when we would drink this beer. 
Mm-hmm. Because, some, I mean, uh, let's be honest. Sometimes you just, you don't want a beer that tastes like a, you know, caramel, piece of caramel pie or something like that. You don't but, want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich beer at dinner true. with a big honking piece of steak. Yes. But you do want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich beer any other time. Yes. <laughs> so... I'll go and I'll say that this this is this is a little bit better than a like I'm just gonna drink it beer like a, a good old standard beer. Mm-hmm. Um, with it being a pilsner, I kind of assume that it or a lager that I kind of assume that it's gonna be a little more similar to that. Mm-hmm. It's in that and it is in that in that kind of vein or whatever. But this has a really good smooth taste. Mm-hmm. Other than exploding, um, it, it's the the quality or the brew of the beer is is really good. You can't really fault the beer for exploding in your no, hand, I though. Can't. That Except may not that may not have had anything to do with the, <laughs> the can of beer. It might have had more to do with. Could have been an operator error. That's entirely possible. Well, I was just going to say it could have fallen off a shelf somewhere and got put back up there. That's entirely possible. But what I would say is, uh, be careful with the other five you have. Uh, and that I will. Those will get open <laughs> over, over the sink. Over the sink or in the, or in the backyard, for sure. Yes. So, but with that being said, like, um, I mean, this is, this is a good beer that I could enjoy in, in a lot of different scenarios. So, mm-hmm. eating dinner, yes, I would enjoy this, this beer eating dinner. Um, enjoying a pipe or, you know, walking around, taking a stroll, whatever. Something like that. A casual beer, yes, I'm going to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. You know, that... The the one thing this is not this is not like a dessert like you know I'm, I want something fine and refreshing after after I've eaten dinner and I just want to mm-hmm. you know relax and and drink a beer yeah uh, you know I'm gonna go for something more like uh like what we did last was it last week or a couple of weeks ago the Maduro yes. that one was really like that one kind of reminds me of that of that like either smoking a cigar or a pipe and just relaxing almost like a dessert beer yeah. Um, that's what, that's what I'm going to go for on, on that one. But this one, I mean, this one fits just about every other one and it does it really well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to come in and I'm, I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to give this four and a half losers. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I was, I wasn't thinking you'd go that high. Um, but that's a, that's an impressive showing from tiny bomb there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with you on, um, how you describe it. It is a crisp, smooth tasting beer um if you think about it like if you really like try to concentrate on it you can taste the honey flavor that it um that it describes and that is like i almost think that's what makes it unique like that's the mm-hmm. the twist or whatever yeah and and to me that's what makes this makes this more of like a sorry um that's what makes this more of like almost a, like a late spring summer mm-hmm. kind of thing if you're grilling on your porch or you got your buddies over watching a game or something um you're going to the beach you're you know this is this could be like a sitting on the beach beer um i agree you could you could also have this one with dinner uh depending on what the dinner was i guess but um i'm gonna come in a little low i'm gonna come in at four luthers out of five um this has got to be a first this might be the first time that you have outranked me on a on a beer that we've had and it's not that it's bad it's it's just uh it's not quite something that i would 
I wouldn't choose it over some of the other things we've had, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't turn it down. Yeah. And yeah. I could potentially see myself going to get this one again. Um, but it's a, it's a really good something, just a, just enough different to where it's... Ooh, excuse me. <laughs> Back. <laughs> but you know it's you know it's just a little something different that it's not just like a standard beer yeah um i like it it's it's not bitter at all you know we've talked about how you don't like bitter and i enjoy mm-hmm. bitter well this one's not bitter at all which is funny because it actually has a pretty high bitterness rating if i remember right uh 39 yes yeah, i mean I that's mean, that's higher than you typically like but mm-hmm. But it's still good. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not. I've got five more. I'm not, you know, not upset. Not upset about that at all. Um, but it's, it's a good one. Um, so Wise Acre. Good work. Good work on. Good work on the uh, on the. I'm, tiny I'm actually, bomb. I'm actually a little bit regretful that mine exploded because I feel like I've lost beer. You have, and and it's a good like it's a good one too. We should have a moment of silence for, for the, the half of the beer ground. How much of it did it hit the ground after? Uh, no, I mean realistically, not very much. I mean, maybe fifteen percent of it. That's too much. Is, is on the floor, or was on the floor, or now is soaked up into my just into just, my clothes. Just think of it like this: based on what ta- whatever tax bracket you were in, you might have just been taxed an amount of beer. <laughs> I, I definitely get just got taxed. Not quite as much as Bernie Sanders wants to tax me, but... hey <laughs> There you go. So, so well, that's, that's good uh, for Wiseacre. Four and a half from Rick, yeah. which, is, which is... I mean, that's saying something. That's basically a five, really. <laughs> that's basically a five out of five from Rick. And then four Luthers from mm-hmm. Patrick. So, you uh, you come in strong, Wiseacre. I, uh, I will look for more of your beers now because, I mean, I'll be honest, when you come in strong with the first one, it makes me want to go back and buy more of your beers because you do such a good job. So, yeah. so good job, Wiseacre. And now we're going to move on to Concise Theology, talking about illumination and regeneration. And we are back. Uh, We are rolling into part three. We've been in part three of Concise Theology for a couple of weeks now. Yes. And tonight, we are going to discuss illumination and regeneration. I got a revelation. Oh, wait, not the same thing. No, you do not. (laughs) So, um, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Some of this is going to be review. Um based on some other stuff that we've talked about in the on the podcast. One thing you'll realize about theology is a lot of things overlap. Yeah. Like, a, a whole lot of stuff. And so, I mean, like, we've mentioned some of this other stuff, and, and you'll hear us mentioning it again, but, I mean, really, a lot of stuff overlaps when you're talking mm-hmm. about, when you're talking theology. So Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so illumination, Packer describes as the Holy Spirit gives spiritual understanding um, and it's more than just um, this understanding of like biblical words or ideas of Christianity or what it means to be a Christian, but it's realizing the reality and relevance of those things. Or no, I'm sorry, 
reality and relevance of those activities of the triune God to which scripture describes and testifies to. And so, you know, just wrapping our head around the idea that being a Christian means more than doing these things, but it also is understanding that the God that the Bible talks about is real and relevant in our day-to-day life. Yes. Yes. Um, really and truly, I mean, Illumination piggybacks re- really well off of effectual calling. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, it's it's that effectual calling. So, so you have the calling of God, of a person to salvation, and, and that effectual calling is in some essences is, is really considered illumination because what the person does is they realize the depth and the depravity of their sin. They realize the, the grossness of their sin nature and that drives them to repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, um, you know, and, and there's a, there's a verse, oh, I can't remember which one it is right now, but it's, it basically says your kindness Lord leads us to repentance. Mm. Uh, your loving kindness is what leads us to repentance. And so, I mean, it's, it's really and truly, it's the, it's the effectual calling, the kindness of God that leads us and illuminates our minds to see the reality, what Packer calls the reality and the relevance mm-hmm. of our, of our sin, seeing what that does to the father. Yeah. Um, and that, that in because of that, it necessarily drives us to, to repentance. And so, so this, and this is one of those areas where, you know, if you have somebody that you've shared the gospel with over and over and over again, um, you know, you, you, it's, this is going to sound harsh a little bit, but you just have to, to be okay with, or at peace with the fact that God is not illuminating that person. You're like, why don't they get it? Why don't they get it? I don't understand. I've explained Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, but, but again, remember that, that you're not the author of salvation. God is the author of salvation. Exactly. And so if, if God doesn't illuminate their mind, if God doesn't illuminate them to the reality of their sin, then they will not respond. They will yeah. not, you know, come and And that's, you know, that's where the tie between illumination and effectual calling comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, there will be people who will say, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's coming to terms with the fact that no matter, you know, no matter what we do, we, God can use us as a vessel for sure, but ultimately the Holy Spirit is what's going to illuminate the minds mm-hmm. and the hearts of someone to their need for Jesus. Yes. There's no, nothing I can do that can cause someone else to, to realize they need Jesus. It's not right. even, even I think about like with my son, He's not quite two yet, so he's not quite, he's not getting there, you know, mm-hmm. we're, he, we're not to that point yet, but there will come a day when, Lord willing, he comes to know Jesus, Yeah, but it's not going to be because of anything I do apart from living my life that in a way that, in a manner that reflects who Jesus is, Yes, and then the Holy Spirit illuminating his heart for his need for him. And and uh, we're we're about to hit on this, but but it's important for us to remember that that what we're saying, e- even if we say something in a unique way, or if we say something, or if we share the gospel, we try to share the gospel in a contextual way. Um, we're still saying the same thing. 
Um, and so this is this is the difference between illumination and revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I hear I always hear, and and from our from our more charismatic or more Pentecostal brothers that I love but disagree with that you know they'll say I got a revelation from God. Okay, let's pause. No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. Exactly. So, so number one, no, you didn't. Now, if you learn something from Scripture, then then let's try to be a little more accurate with our words and say, man, God showed me this amazing truth that was already in Scripture, and and I saw it, and I have to share it with you. I'm mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. You know, I'm yeah. I'm okay with that. But but don't say I got a revelation because a revelation implies something that has never been said. It's a you know you're you're making a prophecy. A specific, you know, like future prophecy, or you're you're revealing something new. You know, you can only have one reveal of something. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, like every every time I think of revealing, I always think of like car shows where mm-hmm. they they wheel the car out or whatever, and it's covered with a tarp, and then and then they they do this big thing, and then they jerk the tarp back, and everybody sees the car all at once, and it's this new. But I mean, even even in some aspects of that's not because we know what cars are. All cars have four wheels. They have doors. They have roofs. They have mm-hmm. you know hoods, that yeah. kind of stuff. When it... Go ahead. But but when you when you uh, when you reveal something, you're you're showing it for the first time, mm-hmm. and this is something that nobody else has ever seen or yeah. nobody else has ever known. Yeah. So you're not revealing anything. God has illuminated your mind. And you're sharing the things that God has has illuminated your mind to. Yeah. I think I interrupted you there. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that you, you touched on it, how there's nothing new under the sun. The revelation of God is complete. Like, mm-hmm. like he's done revealing his nature, his character, um, who he is. He's done that through scripture. Yes. And he's not going to do it through... Pentecostal Bob or the homeless lady under the bridge or like, yeah. like he's not, he's not going to do that because the Bible says he's, it, it, it's, it's done. He's, mm-hmm. he, there's no need for him to reveal himself. It, yes. In any other way. Yes. The, Bible, you, the, the Bible completed the revelation of God. Well, it's it. And, and, and in some, some aspects um, that that is true, but I would say that that the full revelation of God came through the person and work of Jesus Christ, mm. because the because the Bible, even the New Testament, is just a reflection on and an explanation of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, so really, I mean, I would argue that the fullness of Christ is the ultimate revelation, and that's why the the Gospel of John is so important for believers. Mm-hmm. You know, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Mm-hmm. And and then and then uh, John uh, one three, and all things were made through him, and and without him was not anything made that was made. Mm-hmm. So you know, he is the pinnacle of all of creation. So there's nothing past him in the created order uh, that that does not have its subsistence, does not have its being, uh, it does not have its meaning. Um, anything, all of that flows through the person and work of Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh to dwell with to dwell with men. And that, I mean, that's the the beautiful thing of of the person and work of Jesus Christ, which we which we spent several weeks on. And so, um, when we talk about 
illumination, our, our minds are being illuminated to really to that truth that, that Jesus is the person and we're, uh, Jesus is the ultimate revelation. Mm-hmm. And without him, there, there's really, there's really no hope. And yeah. so, you know, we're not, there's, there's, I would argue there's no such thing as a new revelation about God, because if there was, there should be more books of the Bible. Exactly. And, and that, that touches on your, like, the Bible is finished, so it is, I mean, it is the authority that we have, because mm-hmm. we don't have Jesus in the flesh with us anymore, but what we have is Scripture, which tells us about Jesus. Right. Which points directly to, and then, and, and 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for mm-hmm. teaching, rebuke, correction, and training the person in righteousness. And so, it is by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the scriptures and their truth, and it is by his illumination that he interprets it to us. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, where do we go? Where do we go from there, though? Like, I mean, it, it's it's easy that that, and, and I'll say it this way: I'll, I'll play devil's advocate for a minute. You're making a circular argument. You're saying that that God attests to scripture, and scripture attests to God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but I I don't know how to defend that. (laughs) It's, I mean, it's a hard one to defend. It really is because, I mean, in, in some essence, as Christians, we are making that circular argument that, that God gave us the scripture and the scripture teaches us everything we need to know about God. So it Mm -hmm. is a, a sort of circular argument, but um, if you've ever read read something like um, Anselm's Monologium, I'll say that one again fast if I can. Um, he basically in that in that book he he lays out a philosophical defense for there being an ultimate, what he calls the greatest conceivable being, mm-hmm. um, and and it's kind of this this root of everything that that everything else flows from. So I mean. You say, well, we don't have the earth without a creator, and the earth shows us about a creator. I mean, in, in reality, everything comes back to being a circular argument. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's okay because you're, all of the circular argumentation points back to that greatest, ultimate, conceivable being. Gotcha. Um, and and so, so, it's, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a tough line for, for Christians. It really is to, to hold to that. And, and even in, in today's society where we're constantly challenged almost from, from every angle with, mm-hmm. with secular arguments of, you know, well, well, how, why can you say that? And well, that makes you a bigot and that makes you a hypocrite and that makes you this. And, and, and in when the reality of it is they're borrowing from our worldview to be able to say that we're that, you know, they're, they're having to, they're having to say that our standard of morality or our standard of truth is what makes us a hypocrite, a hypocrite or a bigot, but they're having to use our standard of truth to be able to say that. So, so mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're borrowing our standard, and and that's the thing is they don't have a standard, right? That they can cling to. They don't have, and and that's that's what it ultimately goes back to for Christians is that standard, that ultimate end of everything is mm-hmm. the is God, right? The triune Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Godhead, mm-hmm. three in one, um. 
and and all of that does its job in illuminating the Christian's mind and bringing mm-hmm. them to the understanding of who he is. Right. So yeah. Um. What What's a benefit of the Spirit's ministry of illumination? So, um, in like in order for us to fully benefit from the Spirit's ministry of illumination, there are some things that we as believers are responsible to do. Um, we must seriously study the Bible. We must seriously be praying. We must seriously, and we must seriously respond in obedience to the truths that have been shown to us. I mean, if we take, if we, if we have our minds illuminated to the, the heart of God or the character of God and do nothing with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like giving, that'd be like giving me the instructions to cook something and giving me all the ingredients to do it, I mean, taking the instructions and throwing them away and doing my own thing. Yes. I mean, that's a really trivial way to describe it. But, I mean, it's what what you're talking about here. If if you've been given all the tools, and in Scripture we've been given, um, we can know the character of God, we can know the will of God, we can know um, uh, what God desires for his people, Um, we can know all these things, and the Holy Spirit lights up something in your heart and in your mind. But if you're not reading, but you can't know that if you're not reading the Bible, you can't know that if you're not praying. Um, And if you're not being obedient, then God's not going to necessarily be speaking to you. Yeah. So there are, there are things that we are, that we need to do in order to fully benefit from the ministry of the Holy Spirit when it comes to illumination. Um, if we're not doing those things, then we're we're hurting ourselves, and we're not being all we can be for the kingdom and such. Yes, yes, I, I would I would agree with all of that. Um, and and I would I mean I would simply add just on on a very basic and practical level, if if you're not at a bare minimum reading the Word of God on a daily basis. Reading reading a chapter, reading a few verses, doing something, mm-hmm. then then you're really depriving your yourself of of what every Christian needs because you know uh, uh, I hear Christian and 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 I've been through times like these where you you faithfully do uh, you know a, a study time or a quiet time whatever you want to call it uh, in the Word every day and you're just like man it's dry it's dead I I feel like you know a, a field in the wintertime with just nothing but dead grass and wind blowing on me. That's what Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, but then there's other times where there's just constant rain and you're just like, man, I can't handle any more of this because there's so much rain and I'm getting so much from my, from my study time. I mean, the Christian life is no different from anything else in the created order. It has seasons. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what I would encourage people is, man, Find something consistent. Find something that you can do, whether it's a devotional book or or a reading plan. You know, one thing that I try to do that I don't always do um, is I try to read the entire Bible once a year. You know, you can read like, it's like four chapters a day and and get through the entire Bible in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's some plans that, that have you reading like 10 chapters a day and it spreads them out. And I mean, if you do, if you do something like that. Like you can legit read the Bible like twice in a year if you do that. Yeah, and so uh, and and the way that that one the, I've seen that one before, and the way that it it 
plain and simple. I mean, like you read Acts twelve times in a year, you read the Proverbs twelve times in a year, you read the Psalms twice over the course of a year, mm-hmm. um, you read the Gospels four times, uh, and so I mean, it's just it's one of these things where the more you are ingesting the Word of God, the more you are reading it, the more you are studying it the more that it's going to become part of your daily life, your daily vocabulary, and it's going to affect the way that you act. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can you can have the the greatest theology in the world, you know, but if you're not studying God's word, then it's basically useless. You know, yeah. if you have it all in your head but nothing out. And, and um, one of the things that I always tell people is great orthodoxy always leads to great orthopraxy. Um, and that's that's two fancy words, but it basically means your doctrine will always contribute to your the way you practice your mm-hmm. your faith. Yeah, uh, that's what orthopraxy is 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 the way that you practice your faith. And so, if you have a good, thick, robust orthodoxy, then you are going to necessarily have a good, rich, robust orthopraxy in your mm-hmm. life, and people are going to see that. It doesn't mean that you're the street preacher yelling at people on the side of the road and that that's what it means to practice your faith. No, it means in everything that you do, whether you're at work, whether you're in the drive through line, whether you're at the grocery store, wherever you are, people are going to, to say, you know what, there, there's really just something different about that guy. Yeah. Um, and most of this is going to come through relationships. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, the, but you know, where you build those relationships. It's not you know, the days of door-to-door evangelism preaching in the streets handing out tracts at the mall or whatever it is those days are gone so you know you build these relationships with your neighbors or your work Mm -hmm. your co-workers or people you your other parents on ball teams or whatever it is and the thing that they're realizing that is different about you is that you've been born again yes that moves us into the second section for discussion tonight regeneration Regeneration. Shaolin has a great song called Regeneration. I bet Shaolin has a great song about <laughs> everything we talk about on our podcast. Most about. It's been like three weeks since I've mentioned Shaolin, so I had to drop that one in there. Tonight. You did. It was, <laughs> it was well placed. So, um, Packer uses a verse from John 3 here. John chapter 3, verse 3. So in reply, Jesus declared, he's talking to Nicodemus here. Mm-hmm. He says, in, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Um, I learned something about that phrase that I had not realized until uh, I read this chapter. Um, Jesus was talking about, or he was referencing Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. He was, yes. And uh, if I remember correctly, it's the passage in Ezekiel where where he calls the dead bones back to life. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Literally the dead being born again. Okay, cool. Yes. So and but that's that's why Ezekiel or that's why Nicodemus, like in the next verse, is like, Yo, Jesus, how am I gonna do that? I can't go back to my mother's womb. Yeah. <laughs> Everything then, to Nicodemus and, was and then, was yeah, yeah, and then I love what Packer says, and Jesus basically chastises Nicodemus mm-hmm. for not un, for not realizing what he's even talking about yes. that he's referencing Old Testament, which as a good Jewish guy, Nicodemus should have should have known. known. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he, you know, actually, I'm not sure he did at all because he would have been like, "Oh, I know what you're talking about." Um, but yeah, it is it, the the idea of being born again 
um, shows this deep inward change that even the religious Jews had to undergo. Jesus didn't say, Mm -hmm. you know, the rabbis and priests are exempt from what I'm talking about. It's just for you, like common folk. Um, But if, but if the religious Jews wanted to see the kingdom of God and enter the kingdom of God and have eternal life, they had to be born again. Yes. Like anybody else. And this is, so this actually hits on, on, on another topic. Um, one of the things that, that Nicodemus thought was that because he was a Jew, he basically deserved the kingdom of God. He deserved mm-hmm. to inherit the kingdom of God because of his, you know, ethnic status, because of his socioeconomic status, because of his geolocation, you know, all of that he thought contributed to his status in the kingdom of God. Because right. what the Jews were looking for um, is... Um, is there, you know, they're looking for a physical takeover on the earth. That's what, mm-hmm. you know, that's what they hoped well, the they Messiah expect, was going to bring. They expected the Messiah to come and reign in power. Yes. And, and, and take over the enti- take over dominion of the world. And they expected to kind of be the world's king's uh, posse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of. I mean, I mean they, they wanted to be the groupies is what they wanted yeah. to be. And then they realized that Jesus is the Messiah and he's this meek and mild-mannered, um, you know, from a neighbor town in the middle, yeah. of the middle of the <laughs> boonies, you know, that's, that's what he is. And, and they're like, well, hang on, hang on. This is not what we voted for. You know, mm-hmm. this is not what we were expecting. And so, you know, when Jesus references the old Testament there for Nicodemus and he doesn't understand it, that happens almost every time Jesus has an encounter. Mm-hmm. P- Jesus refers to something spiritual. The people think he's talking about something physical and, Everybody gets confused, yeah. you know, and, and Jesus is like, you guys are, are so dumb. He, he was a lot nicer about it than that, but <laughs> you're really, really dumb for real, for real. <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, what he's, what he's pointing to is that, that it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your, uh, social status is. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what your political status is. It doesn't matter any of this stuff that, that we always put so much importance on yeah. the physical life, it doesn't matter. Again, going back to the book of Ecclesiastes, that's why he writes, everything is vanity, mm-hmm. you know, because we put so much stock and we put so much uh, hope in being an Isra- Isra- Israelite or being a um American or being, you know, whatever it is, whatever country you're from. Well, I'm from America and we're God's country. Well, sorry to burst your bubble. No, we're not. <laughs> you know, no. um, you know, it's everybody think wants to think that way, that, that God is on their side. Mm-hmm. You know, football teams, uh, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Well, then you lose the football game. And you're like, well, I don't know what happened. Well, obviously God wasn't on your side, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but, but when you, when you uncontextualize scripture like that, mm-hmm. then you then you remove it. You remove it from its context, and and uh, you basically say, "I'm going to use this however I want to." And that's where that's where people a lot of people go wrong. Yeah, with scripture. Yeah, and that's where they go wrong with Jesus. And Jesus kept trying to point them back to that, and he's like, mm-hmm. "No, no, no, you don't understand. Here's how it is." And they're like, "Well, yeah." You know. Yep. yep. <laughs> that that goes back to. Um, a point we've talked about several times throughout the podcast is, you know, don't be taking 
single verses and trying to apply them to your life in some mysterious way that only makes sense to you. Yes. Um, you can't, the scripture says what it says. It means what it means. Yes. And you have to take that, take what it means and apply it. It can apply to your life differently than it would apply to my life, but it doesn't mean anything different. Yes. The John three means the same thing to you as it does to me, as it does to my neighbor, as it does to the person down, down the street. Yeah, but I mean, how we all apply it to our lives will be different. Can yes. be different. It can be different, and and that's where that's where a preacher uses what's called hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you have, and this is what people is again. This goes goes back to the difference between like illumination and revelation. Mm-hmm. You have the difference, and when you're talking specifically about scripture, you're talking about interpretation versus application. And a lot of times, people will think an application is an interpretation when it's not. Now, your application should be drawn directly from the interpretation, mm-hmm. but your applications can look a little bit different according to each person, but it should all directly go back to that one singular interpretation. Right. You know, um, Phil, Phil, uh, I'm going to go back to it. Philippians 4.13 is not about you winning a football game. It's not about god being on your side it's not about that it's about you being content in all of the things that are that christ has supplied for you and being let letting him be the sufficiency of your life mm-hmm. i can do all things why i can do all things because christ has conquered death for me i can do all things you know whatever it is i can do this i can do i may fail but i'm going to get up and i'm going to do it again mm-hmm. I, you know and and that's that's what I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me means because it means that we draw our strength and our contentment, not on winning that football game, not on graduating high school, college, you know, name, pick a degree, not from any marrying the right person, not from going to the right school, living in the right neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. None of that matters. All that matters is Christ. Yeah. I mean, when Paul wrote that, he was in prison. Yes. So, I mean, he wasn't playing a football game. He wasn't, graduating from college he wasn't getting a good new job he was literally in a prison cell here's a newsflash paul didn't get himself out of jail either he didn't do that (laughs) yeah so it's i think it's important to remember that um that there's no exercise of faith in jesus no repentance and no true discipleship um none of those things are possible apart from a new birth, with a, apart from being born again, you can go through all the motions. But if you haven't been born again, you're just going through the motions. Yes, yes. And th- and this is why, uh, and, and it's, this is actually a, a fairly controversial statement. But this is why some theologians would say that regeneration precedes faith, like it's regeneration that leads to the faith. And so God does the regenerating work on His own which is actually what, what we would call the effectual calling. Mm, so to right. kind of like to tie all that back together. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And it actually helps make sense what Packer says about how regeneration being the decisive element in effectual calling. Um, and he, he really does a great job of tying effectual calling and illumination and regeneration all together. Yeah. When he says that the confrontation of the gospel and illumination as to its truth and significance um, 
as a message from God to oneself, um, how all those things are, are important for that confrontation of the gospel to even happen. Yes. Um, where, you know, region, it's almost like regeneration leads to the effectual calling, which leads to the illumination, which leads to the surrender to Jesus. Yes. Yes. And that's why, uh, there, there's the verse in, I think it's in Psalms where it says, you know, I will take out your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, a lot of theologians tie that to, um, that to the Old Testament, kind of New Testament together in that, that, you know, God is the one who does the work of regeneration and he does that so that the person will realize their need for a savior and come to, you know, come to repentance and faith in that. So it's, you know, that's why Paul can say, and, and we can, we can teach that salvation comes through faith alone, uh, through grace alone, uh, and, and by Christ alone, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's those, those kind of three things. Um, and then we learn this through scripture alone because scripture is our authority, uh, in all things, uh, doctrinally speaking. And then all of those things point to the glory of God. And so you say, soli deo gloria, glory to God mm-hmm. alone. All of those work for the glory of God alone. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I really liked Packers p- tying these, these together because they do go together in so many times. Um, you know, we, we will try to, to, to divide our doctrine into, into neat little, uh, segments. And, and I know mm-hmm. like you know, when you, when you do, if you take seminary courses, you, you take systematic theology, which is, you know, necessarily like the breakup and systematizing of a, of a theological system. Mm-hmm. Um, but really and truly when you, when you talk about theology as a whole and, and, and this is kind of the whole point of systematic theology is you learn each of these things independently yeah. so that, so that you can, put all of the pieces together, you know? And, and I think like, I always think about learning how to write cursive. Like you learn how to write one letter at a time, but you learn how to write that one letter at a time so that you, you can know how each letter ties to another letter. And so mm-hmm. that when you go to write, you can write tying all of your letters together, no matter what it is. Yeah. You know? And for the kids out there, cursive was this archaic form of writing <laughs> that you had to learn in the, in the nineties and eighties or you couldn't pass third grade Yeah, <laughs> for anybody under the age of what, probably 30. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I learned how to write cursive. Okay. I'm 30. Okay. So, um, but yeah, the, uh, the, I don't know what I was going to say. I got distracted by your cursive analogy. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, dang it. What is it like? Oh well, it's gone. <laughs> it's I gotta start writing. I gotta start writing things down as soon as I think of them. <laughs> You're not old enough to be forgetting stuff like that. <laughs> I know. There's a there's a problem. But to 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 kind of put a bow on all this, the the whole point is that regeneration is entirely the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, it is done as a work of God, and it's done as a work of mercy and grace from God. That mm-hmm. that in that brings people to salvation, and and again, yeah. you know, this is not about every single person in the world being saved, uh, but it is about God glorifying Himself through salvation, and and the reality is that if one person is saved, then mm-hmm. that is a glory and a testament to God. Yeah, it, it comes back to the the discussion we had on election um, two weeks ago, last week, whatever, yeah, it's it's been, whatever it was. Um, and how, you know, 
regeneration is the act of God raising the elect mm-hmm. um, among the spiritually dead. So all are spiritually dead, whether you're elect or not. Mm-hmm. Prior, prior to knowing Jesus, we are all spiritually dead. And regeneration raises the elect from among the spiritually dead to life in Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's that transition from a spiritual death to spiritual life um, and a spiritual life that will last for all eternity. The perseverance of the saints. The Holy Spirit yeah. will hold you because he is your paraclete. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Yes, we did. He is your paraclete. He is your helper. So there you go. There's a... Uh, Anything else you want to add on regeneration? How come no good worship songs have been written using the word paraclete? Because worship leaders are not creative enough. Challenge accepted. (laughs) (laughs) I was, uh, I don't know if I can say this or not. I may have to cut this. I was once in a, in a band that played a song and used the word superfluous. I'm sure sons of bands have used that word. I don't know why you have to cut that. Some of your bandmates probably listen to the podcast. Honestly, there's at least I think one of them does. Uh, but yeah, we had the we had the word superfluous in a song. And here's a little funny story. We were at a we were playing for a middle school, mm-hmm. and mid song, the lead singers were playing the song. Mid song, he's like, sixth graders are not going to know what the word superfluous means." <laughs> so he changed it. Mental, I can't. I can't even remember what he said, but he changed it. And I was like, "That was genius." <laughs> That's amazing. It was, it was fun. So there you wow. go. There's some discussion yeah. on regeration and, and a little a good old story. <laughs> yeah, we talked illumination. We talked regeration. We talked uh, beer. Forgot Pretty good beer names. too. Tiny uh, bomb. Tiny Bomb from Wise Acre. Wise Acre Brewing Co. in Memphis, Tennessee. So, um, if our listeners, hey, listen, hey. this is, we've been doing this, um, let's see, we recorded episode 30 a week ago. This is 31. In between that time, we had our first private message on. The Instagram or Facebook. I don't remember which From one. From somebody we did not know. From someone we did not know before we started this whole thing. So, listener, you know who you are. Thank you. Um, thank you for the encouraging for the message. words. Encouraging words. We hope to continue dialogue. And um, if other people send messages, we don't bite hard. It's fine. <laughs> Um, Here's the thing. If we get enough messages, we'll do what the Babylon Bee does and read all of the mean ones. we'd have to have enough messages to justify being able to do that but um but anyway so if they um if our listeners wanted to find us where would they do that so if you're on instagram you can go to at beers and bible underscore and if you're on twitter you can go to at beers and bible p1 and if you're on facebook you can just search Beers and Bible Podcast. And if you like to send emails, we are at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. And that's where that's you it. can find us on the internets. And for right now, the internet is corona free. So until the coronavirus spreads to the internet and shuts the internet down. Like, until the coronavirus becomes like a regular 
computer virus. Yes. What if it did? What if it morphed into a computer virus? We would need to be worried about it. Because all the people with coronavirus would be robots. All I'm saying is The Walking Dead becomes a reality. Yes. So. So. Until then. (laughs) Until next week. Have a good one. (laughs) See y'all later. You enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible. Please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. 